Welcome to the 13th episode of Retail Renegades. I'm Tony Dana, president of Three Score Market. Retail Renegades podcast looks at people or businesses who think outside the box. Specifically, we're looking at the vending industry to give everyday people a true perspective of our industry with both the challenges and triumphs that come with it. If you have not yet, please like and subscribe to YouTube as we'll be posting a new episode on the 15th of every month. I'm extremely pleased to introduce Dewey Walner this episode. Dewey's the CEO of Three Score Market, Turnkey Corrections, Kimball's Food by Design, and Skillet Kitchen. May have missed a couple, but thank you, Dewey, for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, 13 episodes. 13. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That means we've made it over the one-year mark. <laughs> I remember uh, when you started this. Yeah. So that's that's great. Yeah, that's it's, really always, it's been fun. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we forget the path people take it to where they get, especially like young guys coming into business. And a lot of times it's forgot of, of the struggles and, and, you know, why people got to positions that they got. Um, there's a lot of steps that are happening between there. So we're uh, excited to learn about the steps that have taken you to be our CEO and, um, you know, and to learn the different opportunities you had in your life. And then, um, just introduce, you know, our partners out there on both the three square market and the turnkey and the Kimball side to who's, you know, steering our ship around here. Um, so I know I'm proud to introduce you, but uh, let's let's take it all the way back, Dewey. Um, you know, I know a lot about you. Obviously, we, we've got out golfing and um, <laughs> we've had a couple beers here and there and talked about things. But, you know, where did you grow up? What was the family situation like? Let's let's get all the way back to, to then. Well, going way back. <laughs> so, uh, east side of St. Paul is really where I was born and raised. Uh, I'm still an east sider at heart. Uh, big family. Call so, very, very traditional. We have six kids. So, I've got four brothers and a sister. Um, I've got three older brothers, one younger brother, and one younger sister. They're twins younger brother and sister. But yeah, growing up in the east side was uh, was was great. Um, we were able to walk down to Phelan Playground just about every day, head down there in the winter, do a lot of skating, head down there in the summer, uh, play a lot of baseball, uh, kick the ball around, throw the football around. That was a lot of fun when I was a young kid. Yeah, that's uh, exactly how my dad describes it. It's a little bit different now. We've got to drive everywhere we go. Yeah, <laughs> we did. There was there was no driving back then. Yeah, uh, we were kind of uh, we played outside. A little different than today. Uh, the kids a lot of times are on their their TVs, the videos, what have you. Back then, we didn't have any of that. We didn't have internet. We didn't have any of that. So we were we we made up games. We'd play kick the can. We'd go play football. We would make up soccer games. We'd play, you know, in the winter, um, take a couple of chunks of snow and put those were our nets. And we played hockey all day. Oh, yeah. I remember my dad giving me a couple of dollars and I'd get down there about eight in the morning. I'd leave it after this. They, uh, they'd scrape the ice and then the parents would come out and flood. And we'd kind of hang out with them. So it was like eight at night and, uh, you know, during Christmas break. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So speaking of hockey, I, usually, you know, a lot of times you're too humble to really talk about your hockey career, but um, speaking with guys that have gone to Johnson High School with you, I mean, it's very well known that uh, you're pretty good at hockey. I mean, let's, let's I guess, put it on the table. <laughs> let's let people know, you know. Uh, many years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did, I did play hockey um, when I was a lot younger. Um, I was fortunate enough to have some really great coaches. 
And we'll get into, you know, how the coaching aspect of things really led into my career. And, and a lot of things that I learned back then have really helped me in my career as I'm doing a lot of coaching and mentoring and people management. But back to the hockey piece. Yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to play on a lot of really good teams when I was young, um, really good players. Uh, back then it were playground teams and we didn't have the all-star teams and some of the teams that you might have today. Um, so I ended up playing at Johnson High School. Wonderful coaches there. Uh, Rod Magnuson, you know, rest in peace. What a wonderful human being he was. A great coach. Taught me a ton of stuff. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to to secure a Division One scholarship um, after high school. Played out at the University of Maine. Played out there for a couple of years. Um, then transferred from there and went and played for a former University of Minnesota coach, Brad Buto, down at U.S. International in San Diego. Uh, played there, another Division One team. We were independent, so we were traveling all over. We'd play in Alaska. We would play out east. We'd play the Hockey East teams. We'd play the WCHA teams back then. So it was really a lot of fun. So finish that up. Um, I, I was drafted by the North Stars back in 1984. I uh, decided after college that I wanted to get my career going. So moved back here uh, to the you know the, the upper Midwest, um, and that was east side of St. Paul again, and then started my career. And so that's kind of how my, my hockey career ended yeah. and my professional career started. Yeah, and we always kind of do a lot of correlation between sports and in professional life. Um, you know, just thinking about we've got 12 interns running around right, our right. office right now, and you can see them all there trying to figure out what's what they're going to do. Are they going to come work for, for us at the end of the summer? Are they going to go look elsewhere? And I kind of compare when you were, it was at Maine, right? Yep. And you had signed on with a coach that, you know, you, you signed on to play for him because yeah. you trusted his leadership. He decides to leave. And a lot of that is just like the working world. You're trying to hook your wagon on to people that you trust and that, mm -hmm. that you want to work for. So, I think that's where this episode is extremely important. You know, when people are looking at coming and working for us, they get a chance to kind of meet you at a high level through this podcast. Here. Well, I've, I've been very fortunate throughout my career and even my young playing days to have a lot of folks that I looked up to. And it is similar to what you'll see in the business world. Yeah. The, the other thing is change and challenges. And yeah, I signed my letter of intent with a coach at the University of Maine in April. Uh, back, uh, I think it was back April of 1984. Um, yeah, 1984. And the coach got fired in, I want to say, late July. So a new coach came in in August. And the first year went really well. Um, but then the second year, he, to his credit, he had to bring in his own recruits, and he did. And that just kind of taught me a lot about change. And, you know, things don't always go perfect. So how are you going to react to that change. What are you going to do? Are you going to just kind of sit back and say, well, woe is me? Or are you going to do something about it? And I talk a lot about those days with folks here that not everything is going to be perfect. Not everything in your uh, sports life, in your career is going to be perfect. So you have to be able to adjust. You have to be flexible and you have to make sure that you're, you know, you're just digging in and saying, you know what, I'm going to just do this. And that's a lot about who we are as a company, rolling up your sleeves and figuring it out. That's what we do. Yeah, I agree 100%. So when we look at, you know, your journey, obviously you came in and 
Um, you brought us, um, this is me talking structure. Um, you brought a financial background, a marketing background, a sales background. Where did you get all this? <laughs> well, um, after my undergrad, um, I started with a company, uh, Dow Chemical is really the, the, the company, but it's a company called Dow Brands at the time. It was the consumer products arm of Dow Chemical. So it was headquartered in Indianapolis, but I was working in Fridley, Minnesota. And um, I started back in 19, back then it was 1988, I, I finished my undergrad. There weren't many jobs out there. And I remember, and this goes back to a little bit of, you know, the sports days. I remember um, putting my resume in for this position, and it was with the, the the person who was hiring was my ninth grade football coach. Wow! And I remember him telling me the story after the fact. He said I had three hundred resumes on my desk, and you weren't the most qualified, but I knew that I could count on you. I knew your work ethic, and I could trust you. And he said I took a chance, and I hired you. Well, that, that worked out really very well for me. Um, it was a finance job, and I had an undergrad, undergrad at the time in business, so I learned finance. So for three years, I had worked there. He, he during that time, got promoted and moved to Indianapolis. And then about three years uh, after I started with that position, he moved me to Indianapolis. He brought me with him. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I was promoted, moved to Indianapolis, still in a finance position. Um, then moved into marketing. At the time, I was getting my MBA. Uh, I started at Butler University in Indianapolis. And uh, a little bit of a challenge during my life then is I was working full time and going to school at night. Mm -hmm. And for those that, that do that, I give you, give you a lot of credit. It was, it was not easy to do. While at the same time, um, starting to build a family. Yeah. So when we moved to Indianapolis, my wife and I, uh, we didn't have any kids. Started my MBA. Uh, four years later, finished my MBA and had two kids. And then decided that, um, you know, we sat down and talked and said, you know, we, we really want to get back to the Midwest and closer to grandparents like a lot of people do. And, and when we had young kids. And so we decided to move back and took a position um, with Pillsbury. Um, at the time, this was prior to the General Mills um, acquisition of Pillsbury. So, so for those that still know Pillsbury, yeah. uh, the name is still really strong, but General Mills now owns them. So I started with Pillsbury in a marketing position. Was and your MBA in marketing? My MBA was in marketing okay, and finance. So you got some yeah, so I had both. Marketing. Yeah, so I was working on spray and wash. The last position in Indianapolis I worked, I was working on spray and wash and doing the marketing there, and you know, shooting commercials and building marketing strategy and kind of a vision for where we wanted to take the business and what have you. When I left Dell Brands and went to Pillsbury. Then I was working on Grant's Biscuits, and I worked on um, Hungry Jack Potatoes. I worked on Frozen Breakfast New Products, and really a lot of just strategy work. And the P&L is critical. So you go back to the numbers, and my finance uh, foundation that I was able to build in my early years really helped me with the P&L. And so that, um, you know, th those were really fun days at Pillsbury, and I was there for 13 years. So a lot of years. Uh, 13 years? No, I take that back. Pillsbury was a little bit less than that. Pillsbury was closer to 10 years. Um, and then after Pillsbury, um, I decided to make a move. Um, and I moved to Land O'Lakes. Um, and the reason I did that is, and I mentioned General Mills earlier, uh, my last stint with Pillsbury was on the Kroger team in Cincinnati. I moved my family to Cincinnati to be a co-marketing manager. And the agreement there was... You know, if you take this position in Cincinnati, um, we'll keep you here for 12 to 18 months. 
And then after that time, we'll allow you to either stay here or move your, move your family back. Well, 12 months in, General Mills announced they were buying Pillsbury. And so I went to my, my supervisor at the time and I said, you know, what's this mean for me? And he's like, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. So again, I wanted to move my family back to the Midwest. So decided to take a job with Land O'Lakes. Um, a lot of CPG work, as you can see here, uh, consumer packaged goods. And then I went to Land O'Lakes and I worked there for, that's the 13 years I was there. So I was there for many years in different positions, um, marketing and sales. Um, one of the positions I, I oversaw was our industrial division where all the cheese that goes on Cheetos um, was, was made. And I was kind of overseeing that business. Um, it was made at our plant in, uh, just South of, uh, sorry, just North of Rochester, Minnesota in Pine Island. And, uh, it was a fun business. So that was, that was kind of my big company consumer packaged goods background there. So you got into sales. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously marketing and sales, there's a lot of, of similarities, a lot of that, sure. uh, going parallel together. Like, what was that learning curve for you? Or did you lean on sports background, competitiveness? Or, you know? <laughs> well, I, I'm a firm believer, and I believe this, you know, since way back when, is that everybody's a salesperson. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And I was presenting over at a at the University, uh, University of Wisconsin River Falls a couple of months back, and I was presenting to one of the one of the classes. And it was actually a sales class. And I said, I started my kind of spiel with, okay, I want everybody in here who's a salesperson to raise your hand. And nobody raised their hand. And I said, oh, stop right there. Let me make something crystal clear. Everybody is a salesperson. I don't care if you're negotiating with, you know, your kids around bedtime or if you are selling million-dollar deals in the business world. um, Everybody's a salesperson. And I think the light bulb kind of went on for those folks when they were like, yeah, now that I think about it, you know, I negotiate, mm-hmm. I sell, I build relationships. That's all about selling. So for me, it came pretty naturally. And I enjoy selling. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy building relationships. I am I guess I'd consider myself an, an extrovert. Um, I, I get my energy around people. Mm-hmm. And that really excites me. Yeah. Was there anything from like the Lano Lake days that like, you feel like you put your stamp on and it was like, I'm proud that, uh, that I did that when I was there. Well, one of the things when I was at Land Lakes, when I was running the, uh, the deli cheese business, the American cheese was a really big, huge piece of that business. And I was challenged with, you know, how can we make more money on this business? So I worked very closely with our risk management person and didn't know much about, um, commodity trading mm-hmm. and hedging, but worked very closely with, uh, with this individual who is a very smart individual and learned the commodities trading piece and worked very closely with him and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And over time, we were hedging um, futures for cheese. And, you know, as the as the markets would adjust, um, I was hedged. And we went from making pretty well a break even to $22 million wow. on that business in a short two-year span and those are some pretty big numbers and so that's one of the things i was was really proud of and being able to um, lead that business and um, show that we can make make money on that business Mm -hmm. 
And then before we jump into the turnkey corrections, you had one stop at Deco Pack before as vice president of marketing. Yep. So I was with Deco Pack, um, wonderful company. Um, they've been now since I left, um, investment bankers have purchased them. It was a family owned company, the McGlynn family. Uh, for those that remember bakery days, uh, the McGlynn family were very strong in the bakery area. And so, yes, I, I oversaw really a lot of the licensing. So the marketing piece there was, was very much licensing and, and back to sales kind of negotiating, um, really big deals and contracts with Disney and Lucasfilm and Warner Brothers and Sanrio and, you know, sports, sports team, um, you know, organizations like the NFL and, uh, you know, Major League Baseball and, uh, and, uh, the NHL and what have you. So very interesting, kind of a different slant on, on marketing, but a very interesting and very, um, fun, uh, marketing stint at, at, uh, at Deco Pack. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> so anyone that knows our business, we, we promote from within mm-hmm. and, it's very rare that we get a call it what it is. You're kind of a corporate guy sure. that, that came sure. in, yeah. and uh, so it was. We all eyes were on Dewey when he got here. Um, <laughs> you know, who's this outsider coming? In? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was looking to get that position. No. <laughs> um, but uh, you you come into a business other than you know a couple casual conversations with with Tim, who's uh, one of one of your friends. Um, you know. While you guys are ice fishing, right? What never talk. You, really, never know? talk business. Yeah. So, for those that that don't know, I've known Tim for many years, and we've fished together and what have you. But we, what's interesting is we really never talk business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he just asked me one day. He said, "Hey, are you interested in coming to talk to us?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, I am." So I came in and we sat down and we started chatting and and I said, "Kind of, what do you guys do?" And as a question, right. And and, and he, when he started telling me about the technology and um, kind of the vertically integrated components of our business, I was really intrigued. Mm -hmm. And he knew obviously who I was on a personal level, but he didn't know on a business level. So as I was, he goes, well, tell me a little bit about your, you know, your background and some of your experiences and what have you. So as I was explaining those to him, the light bulb kind of went on to him and, and both of us were kind of like, huh, well, this, this might work. Mm-hmm. And then in came Todd and, and, you know, Todd oversees, uh, obviously he's the brother of Tim and oversees the company along with Tim. And, you know, Todd came in and, and we spoke for a short period of time. I didn't know Todd at all, but I was really very, very intrigued from the second I, you know, I met Todd, his, his mind is always moving. He's always thinking of what's next and what can we do different? And he's a huge change agent. And mm-hmm. I just was like, wow, I really want to work for this guy because he is just, he, he's always thinking five, six, 10, 15 steps in front of everybody else. And I can learn a lot from this guy. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this in the last five and a half years, I have learned a ton from him. Yeah. He's, he's been great. Yeah. So you came in as, you know, general manager. We've never, Technically, had a general manager. What, yeah. <laughs> what was described of you to, so, to do when you came in? That piece was funny because I'm like, uh, you know, so so I, I worked for Todd. Uh, actually, I take that back. I worked for Patrick McMullen at the time, and I was mm-hmm. like Patrick. And Patrick reported to Todd. It's like Patrick, you know, what what what's my title? What do you want to call me? It's like I don't know. Just how about general manager? I'm like, fine. I, I really don't care. Titles mm-hmm. didn't mean anything. 
But I just wanted, if people asked me, what do you do? I wanted to at least give them an understanding. And so I was overseeing the turnkey corrections operations piece. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Patrick was overseeing turnkey corrections and three square market. And so I was kind of doing the, and three square market was kind of just starting at the time. And so I was overseeing turnkey corrections. Um, what so is that's turnkey corrections? So turnkey corrections, we're at our core, we're a technology company, mm -hmm. similar to Three Square Market. And we do services for county jails and we do services for prisons. Recently, we bought a company, Kimball's Food by Design. Mm -hmm. We can talk a little bit about that if you'd like, but we closed on that deal last December 1st. And that is another corrections company. And the reason mm -hmm. I bring that up is they're very similar. So turnkey corrections is really more Midwest and out West. Mm -hmm. and uh, Kimball's Food by Design is really in the southeast part of the United States in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, those that area down there. So one one might say, well, weren't they potentially competitors? Um, we were in the same space, mm -hmm. but we really never crossed paths. Yeah. So when we did buy Kimball's Food by Design this past year, um, it was a great opportunity for us to expand our footprint and really gain some synergies because they were doing things very well and we were doing things very well. And mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in one plus one has to be more than two. It's got to be one plus one equals three. Yeah. How do we bring these companies together? So that's really what turnkey correction says. The services that we provide include commissary vending, email, text messaging, video visitation. We have our own phone company. So we do all of the technology within the jail in those areas. Um, I like to think of it as we're the lifeline between the inmates and the loved ones out and the loved ones to the inmates in. Mm -hmm. You're the bridge between them. We, we are. And, you know, we, we do the, you know, their trust accounting, which is kind of like their bank account, if you will, mm -hmm. when they're in jail. Um, we also, um, with the addition of Kimball's Food by Design, we also added the food service side or the kitchen side of the business. Which skillet, is the, right? Yeah, the, yeah, it's Skillet Kitchens. Mm -hmm. And so it's really the food service business, which is three square meals that they feed to the inmates and the, and, and the, and the, um, the folks that are in prison. Um, they feed those on a daily basis. And then the commissary is really more of a fill-in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... You jumped ahead. You stole some of my thunder there with the uh, the acquisition. No, I'm just okay. <laughs> um, so turnkey corrections. You come in. Uh, you did sales, marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. You did finance, and now technology. What was that hurdle like for you? Well, you know, I, I've always dealt with technology in my other um, positions. I just I didn't have the technology group, the uh, software developers reporting directly to me like mm -hmm. I I did when you know when I came in to. Uh, turnkey corrections and three square market. And I'm like, hmm, well, this is a little interesting, but I will say this, um, managing folks is very similar across divisions and departments and whether it is in finance or whether it's marketing or sales or, you know, product development or, um, software development, there's still, you know, business professionals and trade them like professionals and help them along the way, be there to support them. And then get out of their way yeah empower them to make the right. decisions right yep okay so during this time uh all of a sudden uh we moved into the position of president of turnkey corrections um is there anything that kind of stands out that that is you know it's not we never fully take credit for anything but is there anything that you feel very good about that you know it was like all right i feel comfortable in this business well I, I think you're, I always push myself 
to, to learn more. And I think everybody does and everybody who wants to succeed and, and continue to advance their career are always looking for ways how they, that they can improve. But one thing that's been constant is, you know, we have, we have a great team and the thing that I feel most proud of is being able to kind of bring that team together, bring some structure. So folks really had an understanding of what the vision is, mm -hmm. vision was, and they know where to go. And I give Patrick McMullen a lot of credit on Turnkey Corrections. You know, in the early days, he built the kind of core of this business. And then from there, the team was able to take that core and really expand from it and rapidly grow that business. And that business continues to grow today. And so that's the thing that I'm probably most proud of uh, is, is the team that we built and the ability to continue to grow that business in a big way. Yeah. And then um, in Todd's best way, he um, wanted to put you kind of in an uncomfortable position, but he threw, mm -hmm. throws you in on three-square market, which you really haven't um, had much to do. Your focus was, was turnkey corrections. How did you, um, you know, get your hands around that business? Well, that one's just roll up your sleeves and dig in and, and start calling folks and understanding who our customer base is. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, relationship building is is kind of core to everything you do in sales, in my opinion. And being able to get out to um, to NAMA and, and, and meet folks and see them face to face, which I'm a huge believer in and discussions face-to-face -face, as opposed to phone calls or as opposed to text messages. But getting out and seeing people and talking to people and trying to get an understanding of what the needs are and, and then working very closely with Kirk Johnson and Dave Little. And um, and obviously, you know, at that time you were over in the UK and, and working closely with you to try to, to build this business, um, not because we were struggling, because I want to I want to be, I'm aggressive. I mm -hmm. want to grow this business in a big way and just roll up the sleeves and jump in. Mm -hmm. And technology is, is not that different on three square market as it was on turnkey. And I felt at the time I knew turnkey very, very well and surround yourself with really great people. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds a bit cliche, but that's really what I tried to do and bringing in some, some really important folks, not only on the, on the turnkey side, but you know, making some changes on the three square market side. And we did that early on and brought in um, some new folks. And I am a believer in getting the right people in the right seats, mm -hmm. you know, on the bus. And then, you know, if, if I'm driving the bus, make sure the bus is going in the right direction, but allow them to, to drive the business and yeah. help them along the way. But a big, a big thing that, that folks forget to do is get out of their way mm -hmm. because these are smart people. Um, help them, but but let them go. Yeah. And during your time you've been with us, um, I know this was something that Todd was passionate about early on, but we've developed this internship program, mm -hmm. which I think both of us are, are extremely proud of where it is right now, and we continue to make steps every year. But I guess just explain, you know, what do we do? We're kind of giving a trade secret here, but yeah. <laughs> it's more so our partners that are listening, like, know that we are feeding our employee pipeline with good quality, you know, people and employees for the future here. Well, and let me go back a little bit. Um, I was fortunate enough during some of those experiences with Pillsbury and, and even Land O'Lakes um, to do a lot of recruiting. And I was in charge of our recruiting at uh, the University of Minnesota at Carlson School of Business, but also helped out with Kelly School of Business um, at Indiana and Ross at Michigan and and different you know big schools and get an understanding and, and, and of what 
kind of what an internship program really looks like and what mm-hmm. a successful program can be. And and I give Todd a lot of credit here. He continued to push that. The first year were a lot of St. John's folks mm-hmm. um, because his son Sam um, knew a lot of St. John's guys, and they have absolutely positively knocked it out of the park. They've done a great job, and we built on that. And our internship program is very unique. Um, we bring in the interns, and we, we allow them to – and we, we push them to go to different departments every single week. So even if you're a marketing major or a finance major, you are not going to sit in that one discipline the entire summer. You're going to get exposure to finance. You're going to get exposure to operations. You're going to get exposure to sales. You, you might go to a trade show. You, you might um, you know spend some time with customers. Today we had um, one of the interns sit in our executive meeting. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I wanted to get them exposure to different experiences. Back to being the, the experiential piece, I'm a firm believer in that. And then at the end of the summer, they, they're given projects, you know, on a weekly basis, and then one big project. And at the end of the summer, they present that project and their findings, and their importantly, their recommendation to the executive team. Yeah. And um, you and I have sat in these the last three, three or four years, and these are projects that we actually really use. Mm-hmm. We we don't give. Uh, make work or busy work type projects, we give them projects that are going to help us with our company and we use these projects. And um, it is my expectation that at the end of the summer, the if, if they do very well, a lot of these interns are going to have job offers in their hand. And when they do, it, and, and, and just let me back up a second, we really focus on, on young college business professional up and coming business professionals between their junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. So they've just finished their junior year. They do a summer internship with us. And right before their senior year, if all things go very well, they'll have an offer in their hand. They accept that offer. And we've had a really high success rate there, but they accept that offer. And then when they go to class for their senior year and all their buddies come, you know, October, November, December, I'm like, Oh boy, I'm starting to panic. I'm looking for a job. Mm-hmm. They have a job. Yeah. And it's worked out really well. Even this last year, we had some of them work part-time during the school year. Um, they came in and they worked a few hours, odd hours here and there when they could. Um, and that really gave them a jump start. So when they did start, either in December, if they graduate in December, or in May or June when they graduate, then they're really a, a step ahead. Yeah. And then the, the second part of it that I think um, I personally take a lot of pride in is once they come on board, it is a requirement that we have you be a part of our customer service team for one full year before we promote you from within or mm-hmm. you're allowed to apply for any other jobs. And where we kind of uh, take pride in that is it builds the foundation for the Absolutely. rest of your career. If you go into finance, you understand you know, why our customers are asking certain questions. If you go into sales, you understand you know, again, why, why customers are asking, you know, for certain things, you just, you have that foundation built and you know where to get those resources to get their questions answered. Well, Tony, you hit it on the head, which is that foundational knowledge and that learning and you build a base and then where do you go from there? If they come out of customer service, they can go into marketing, sales, finance, operations. Uh, I'm a big believer in succession plan and, and these young interns, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, you know, somebody's probably going to be sitting in, you know, your prior seat, you know, maybe over in the UK or maybe, you know, your prior seat on, on the operations side or, or, you know, my previous positions or our current positions. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about that stuff because succession plan is really important. Yeah. And our success as managers, as president, CEOs, whatever, it's 
that when we move on, that someone is able to fill that seat, not just the way we were doing it, but hopefully, you know, better. And I think that's what you've kind of put in all of our brains. Um, So one thing that you kept touching base on is um, you moved down to Indianapolis for career development. You moved down to Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. you know, hoping for um, developing your Mm -hmm. career. And it did. Mm -hmm. One thing that we also have here with our business is an international management trainee position, which holds near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. They come over to the UK, spend six months with the UK team, again, doing various tasks, whether it's installing, whether it's building kiosks, um, setting up smart locks on coolers, going out on installs, going out on sales pitches, going to trade shows. How valuable do you think that was for you to progress your career? Tremendously valuable. Uh, it, it's it's about um, being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I know that's a, a word that a lot of people don't like to admit because some folks, when they're uncomfortable, they're 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 outside of their space, and it it, it they they don't feel um, they just feel at odds with that. Um, you have to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. if you're going to continue to grow as a person. This is my opinion, and as a business professional, you have to do things that that are a bit uncomfortable. And it just stretches you. And when I moved to Indianapolis, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for my wife as well because she didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. And the only person I knew was the one person that brought me there from from work. But I made a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and she made a lot of friends, and we still have lifelong friends from that from that time in our life. And then when when we moved to Cincinnati, it was another one. Yeah, we had we had kids at the time, but you know, you don't know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a bit a little bit of a hope and a prayer and you kind of have to believe in, in what you're doing and, and trust, you know, you're at least for me, trust my wife who's a wonderful wife and, and trust what we're doing and we're in this together and, you know, whatever happens, we're, we're going to make the best of it. And, mm-hmm. and I feel fortunate that it worked out really well. And then, you know, even, even coming to, you know, turnkey corrections, three square market at the time, um, that, there was a risk in that. And, and I believed in Tim. I didn't know Todd at the time. And I fully believe in him today mm-hmm. as I did probably five minutes after I talked to him. I'm like, like I mentioned, I really want to work for this guy. But Tim and Todd have done a wonderful job, um, building this, this organization and surrounding themselves with, with really good, smart, um, folks that, that are aggressive mm-hmm. and not afraid to feel uncomfortable. Because that that's that's one thing that people just, especially the young business professionals, have to get over is being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought Tanner into the executive meeting today. He probably wasn't super comfortable coming in, but he sat with the executives and he learned what was going on with our company and where where we're going and what the vision is and what. And and I think when he was done, he was probably like, "Wow, that wasn't so bad. These guys, these guys are just regular people that are are leading this company." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he's doing some inside sales calls, uncomfortable. Right. Just like right. Riley Gannon was in my office all last week, and we made him present to our sales team as an uncomfortable situation, but he's better for it right. because of that. Um, so you took over as CEO, and this is kind of the, the last bit of current, you know, where you're at right now in your career. This was uh, August of 2021, right? Uh, so CEO would have been uh, April of 2021. April. Yeah. Okay. I was in the UK, so my dates get. Yeah, all it was up. it was April. It was early <laughs> April that uh, you know Todd and Tim and I had a a conversation, and um, they said you know we wanted to move you into the CEO role, and I said I um, you know humbly accept, and uh, 
it, it's been a lot of fun. It's yeah. been a whirlwind this last year and um, back to change and different and, you know, uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of that this past year and, and that excites me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you always appreciate where, you know, when I came in, I, I want to say there's maybe 50 employees where we're at right now. We've got what, 450 employees? Yeah. We're, we're north of 450. We're closer to 500 if you count our site employees, the mm-hmm. folks that we have at the different jails and all of our sales folks and our remote staff and all of our warehouses across the United States, our UK team, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're pushing, um, pushing 500. Yeah. And yeah. And, sk- and skillet kitchen as well, I should add in there. Yeah. And when we're, you know, I would say 50 to 80 employees, you know, everyone wears a lot of hats and you're mm-hmm. running around doing different jobs. And it, it's not that there's not structure, but it's not really defined because um, you can't say that's not my job to do because it's all of our jobs. Every, to do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, I think one of the, the greatest things, you know, that, that I've seen since you've been in charge is giving us that structure and that org structure. And, who do you go to to get this question answered and, and making sure you're not, you know, jumping over someone because that's not how the org structure works. You want to, you know, go give that manager that question and then they can go down to their employees and ask it mm-hmm. rather than going down because then they're going to, you know, think they're bypassing. Like, um, so I, I, if you want to touch base on anything else on that, sure. that's there, always there. been one of the. Yeah. Most things I've appreciated. Well, there's certainly a fine line between too much structure and Mm -hmm. giving folks the the latitude to be able to to move and be flexible and, you know, make decisions on the fly. So there's always that balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I I will say some structure is important. Mm -hmm. Having policies in place so people are following things. Stuff like, you know, PTO and maternity leave and paternity leave and just things like that. That's just policy that that is really important because employees need to know that you annual reviews that. annual yeah. reviews i just i just finished uh, two last week um those are important because i am a firm believer don't ever mess with an employee's wallet mm-hmm. and if if you're messing with you can mess with many different things and they'll be okay you start messing with their wallet mm-hmm. or you start messing with kind of family time that's a big deal yeah and we are a company that that certainly we have you know, a lot of that flexibility, if, if somebody wants to or needs to go to, um, you know, their kids recital or band concert or um, an early baseball game or whatever the case may be, we're, we're very flexible in that area. Mm-hmm. And, and we have employees that, that appreciate that and reward us in return. You, you kind of pay it forward mm-hmm. and then reward us in return with their hard work. But yeah, we, we have to have some structure out there. That's important. Otherwise, you kind of get to a, a reality that it's a bit of the wild, wild west and everybody's doing things differently and we have to have some consistency of approach. Yeah. Um, if you don't have that, then then it candidly, it's it may be controlled, but it's still chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that um, I always take uh, Dewey's buzzwords, I guess you could say, <laughs> but uh, the total compensation. Yeah. And this is one thing that you've always talked to me and I think what we offer our employees total compensation is, is pretty awesome, especially, you know, what we do with summer Fridays. And, yeah. um, I guess 
Talk about total compensation. Well, and, and the, the whole idea of total compensation goes beyond just an individual salary. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks they they'll, they'll chase. I want to. I, I want more money. I want find a new job that has more money, more, more whatever. And I, and I ask them, talk, let, let me talk to you a little bit about total compensation. They're like, okay, what do you talk about? Well, to me, total compensation yes, it includes salary, but it also includes benefits. It includes stuff like what do you do for the community? Mm-hmm. And and we're really very very involved with the community. It it has stuff like. Like, who's your boss? Who's your manager? Who's a great mentor for you? How's your commute? Um, as we sit here in River Falls, Wisconsin, I love my commute. Mm-hmm. I talked earlier about Pillsbury, and I love my time at Pillsbury, but I was driving downtown Minneapolis mm-hmm. in traffic. And, you know, in, in the Wisconsin and Minnesota area, we have two seasons. We have winter and we have construction season. <laughs> and the reality is everybody has to hurry up and get that construction done during the summer. So driving to downtown Minneapolis today is really a challenge mm-hmm. as we sit today because there's a lot of construction in St. Paul and Minneapolis. So I think about the commute. I think about the opportunity that I have. And, you know, we look at uh, opportunities here for many of the young individuals that they're they're overseeing business, that the, the, the Joey Eckhoff's overseeing the you know, our XL power bike business, fantastic, recently started business. He's overseeing that at a very young age. Jake Dickmeyer is really working very closely and overseeing, um, you know, a lot of the Kimball's uh, integration. And, and that's really important. And these are not 35 and 40 year old individuals. These are 23, 24, 25 year old individuals. And where's that opportunity as it, as it relates to total compensation? So I think about all of that. Um, I, I go back to, you know, what, what, what hits me here mm-hmm. in the heart. Um, people, when you really kind of get down to the, the true colors of folks, yeah, money is important, but making a difference mm-hmm. is what's really important. And I always ask folks, what do you chase? And I don't always hear back, I'm chasing happiness. But in my opinion, that's the right answer. And mm-hmm. happiness is the people I work with, the money I make, uh, the opportunity that I have, how I'm giving back to the community, how I can make a difference. You know, can I get home to my family at a reasonable time? You know, can summer Fridays, you mentioned summer Fridays and, you know, this year we're doing every other Friday. So we do have coverage across the entire organization, but those are little things that go a a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, And people, they appreciate that having a salad bar. And this is again, a lot of Todd's ideas here, mm-hmm. but having a salad bar for employees that that is very inexpensive. So they don't have to run out to go to try to find something mm-hmm. very inexpensive here, having our market. And obviously with three square market, we know that well, Yeah. but having our market and having it in there for employees at a discounted rate. So they feel like, Oh, I don't have to go spend $12. I went to Pita Pit the other day and, and it was like $12 for a sandwich. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. I'm like, my goodness. And you can get a salad here for $3. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like cost or yeah. low cost. Yeah. But it's things like that as I think about total compensation that are really important to me. And when I talk to a lot of the young folks about that, they're kind of like, I guess I never really thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. I was always just thinking, what's my pay? Yeah. So. Well, we'll wrap it up here, Dewey. Thank you for uh, for spending time um, on this episode. Uh, thank you for everything you do for the organization. Um, you know, me coming from a football coaching background yeah. into my profession, I really didn't have the the track record that you did and all these different things that you've learned and you passed on a lot of that knowledge to me. So 
it's been invaluable for me to be able to spend time with you. And I think the more employees around this building that get that, that, that opportunity to spend with you, uh, the better off we are as an organization. And that goes for our partners, the more time they get to spend around you as well. Well, I appreciate that. And it's been great working with you and continuing to work with you. And a big shout out to our team, especially the folks that are working really, really hard down at, uh, down at Kimball's and down at Skillet Kitchen and great group, wonderful group. You know, it's been probably, it's been just over a year now that we just started to get to know these folks. And wow, what a great, bunch of team members here that really complement our team members um, for Three Square Market and Turnkey Correction, XL Power Bike. Um, we've got a wonderful team. And like sports, in my opinion, it all goes back to a team game. Mm-hmm. And no one individual, I might have you know a position at, at a higher level, but no one individual is able to, to win. Yep. It's a team effort. And the team we have down at Kimball's in Skillet Kitchen, the team we have not only here in River Falls, but the team we have at all of our um, remote locations, um, and then our customers. And thank you for your business. We appreciate it. Um, Again, I can't say enough about our customers. Yep. And anyone that's listening, um, we want you here. Um, we want you at our user conference. We've got um, some great training sessions. We've got um, our new Web V3 that we want to introduce to you. We've got a pick system, pick easy. We want to show you the easiest uh, pick system out there, um, how we've integrated it into our warehouse and how you can integrate it into your warehouse uh, for operational efficiencies. Uh, we've got a great keynote speaker in Dale Caudry. Uh, Dale was a guest speaker or guest on the podcast uh, last month. Dale's got a wealth of knowledge. He's going to be with us for the whole week. Uh, Dale works for our sister company, Kimball's, mm-hmm. down there. Um, so he will be an open book for you. He's gone through many acquisitions. Um, he's taken vending businesses that were struggling and got them thriving. And then obviously their owners wanted to sell it once they got it to a, a certain mm-hmm. profitable point. But uh, he's got some really, really good insight. Um, and then just being able to meet uh, myself and Dewey in person if we haven't already yet, but just being able to spend time with each other, I think you'll un- be able to understand the vision of where we're going as a uh, three square market and as our whole you know global business here. And um, we want to share that with you. So please make sure you get registered. Um, user conference is the third and fourth of August. Um, It'll be worth your time. It will be worth it your really time. Well. So um, if you haven't yet, please make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, and we're going to continue posting on the 15th of every month. If there is anyone listening that wants to be a part of an episode, I'm all for it. I'd love to to hear your story, your journey, um, more about your company. Um, so reach out. Um, but in saying that, thank you again, Dewey. And uh, thank you for having that me. concludes the 13th episode of Retail Renegades.